0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guests are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc.
1: Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. On the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, girlfriended, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Do
2: you know what you are passionate about? You, yeah. Did you just combing a sota on me. <laughs> <laughs> about? About? <laughs> something you are passionate about? You know, something that creates sleep deprivation. Today we are talking about putting your passion in action and making something happen. Welcome to Girlfriend It, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty. Well, today we have a packed show with some pretty amazing
3: women who are activating their passions in their lives, and they're doing it actually globally. So we'll be taking a trip around the world, so to speak, with these women and hearing stories
2: of inspiration and hope. Well, we are excited to talk with our first guest, who will feel like we already know, and in a way you do, well, I hope so many of you do,
3: well, because we've seen her on TV and many things, but before we introduce Nancy, I want to share... A quote, because you know we love quotes. I want to share this quote about passion. It says, chase down your passion like it's the last bus of the night. I love that because we've actually had that emotion because we were in San Francisco one time and we're trying to get back from the city and we took the last bus of the night. So we know that adrenaline rush, and that's what we're talking about today, is that adrenaline
2: rush where I've got to do something about this. I and just you, can't talk about it. You almost panic when you're chasing that last bus down because you know the urgency. If you don't make that bus, then uh, you might be sleeping on the street, you might be doing many things. So it's that kind of passion. As a matter of fact, I remember that when we were on that bus heading to the airport, and um, we we were in such a panic state that I finally said, you know what? No one's going to die. If we, if we don't make this, we're going to be okay. Like you have you you in perspective. <laughs> you really, really do. But still <laughs> there's that urgency. And so our
3: first guest is Nancy Stafford, who is somebody who I, I know has that adrenaline rush that keeps going because I'm exhausted just listening to all her credentials. Because some of you might remember, like we talked about um, as, I don't, with Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith, you have me at Andy Griffith. Yes, yes, with Matlock, not the Barney Five, Andy Griffith, the <laughs> Matlock, Andy Griffith, and uh, she's also appeared on the series Saint Elsewhere, The Mentalist, Frasier, Judging Amy. The list goes on, but so does her gifts and talents. So, welcome Nancy to Girlfriend at Radio. Hey, girls, how are you? Doing great. You're exhausting us because just reading what you're doing. I don't know. You don't sit still, do you? <laughs>
0: well, you I think are I'm like you're chasing two. the bus. <laughs> we're all chasing the bus. Our life on earth is short. We've got to make every minute count.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> well, Nancy, you're an author, a speaker, an actress, a world traveler, a hope giver, and someone who doesn't stay still, obviously. So let's just jump right in with you, um, sharing with us a little bit about your life and journey. And we're curious to start into how you stepped into Hollywood aha uh-huh.
0: i kind of uh i slipped into hollywood um i actually was uh, going to go a different route i was a business gal in south florida i had won the miss uh, miss florida title and the miss america pageant and i had started a business career down in florida and i got a phone call from an agent in miami who said oh my goodness i've got all these uh ad agencies in New York coming to audition for lots of big national commercials, and I got, you know, nobody to send, and can you please just come and audition? And I spent one week auditioning for five days for five projects, and I got them all. And it was just a total fluke, and I just had a a fun time, and I realized I was sort of naturally good at sort of commercials so I started in the business doing commercials and then I moved to New York to study acting and I got my very first acting audition was a job for a soap opera that I got and then moved to LA when that soap ended so um, you were
2: right around the date
0: well I was actually 20 I was old I was old when I started I was 24 when I was in New York and started uh, studying acting and started modeling with the Ford agency. And I remember Eileen Ford telling me, you're really old, but I'm going to you, <laughs> make me a lot of money. Yeah,
3: at the rightful age of 24, you're old.
0: <laughs> I was. I was the age where girls are normally retiring. So I did start wow. this career. This is my second career uh, as an actor. It was my, was my second incarnation. So, um, yeah, I was kind of old when I started, but – God just sort of blew the doors open for me because I think he knew that it was nothing I would have pursued necessarily on my own, but he had another plan, so he had to kind of make it easy for me to, you know, go right in. He gave me favor right off the bat. Now, were you a believer at this time? I I was a marginal believer. I'd grown up in a wonderful family of faith, and I began a journey with Jesus when I was eight, but when I went off to college, unfortunately, as a lot of people do, I just sort of let that very important part of my life slide. I still considered myself a believer at that time, although I really was not living a lifestyle that would have been pleasing to God, and I kept moral values, but um, I wasn't really walking uh, a walk uh, with Christ, and I came back to Him in a pretty radical kind of way, after I was, um, I had started saying Elsewhere, I did that, and then I um, was guesting on a billion shows way back in the mid-'80s. And uh, I was at that point in time, I had a kind of crisis in my life, a health crisis. I was diagnosed with a severe skin cancer that had gone long undiagnosed, and it was, I was told by a doctor, it was on my face. And he said, you better get another career in mind, because I can't tell you what you're going to look like after this surgery." year. Wow. <laughs> Which rocked my world because yeah. I suddenly had to go wait a minute. I've built a foundation on something that is as elusive as my physical body. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Wait a minute. And it really challenged my priorities and my value system. And
2: you mean that's so when... wrong?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's depressing, but yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> But um, so it really made me kind of examine what is real. What's my foundation of truth? What, is, what do I really believe? What is unchangeable in this very mercurial world we live in? Mm-hmm. Um,
3: you, know, so, and, go ahead. you know, so many times I think as believers or like you said, the marginal ones. We, we come to a point in life where we have that crisis of faith, where you come yeah. to that, that intersection. You go, okay, I can go this way, I can go that way. And who yeah. am I and what do I really believe in? It sounds like that's where you were at this point.
0: That's exactly where I was. But but the crazy part was that I still thought, well, maybe maybe Christianity is really it, but maybe there's more. Maybe there's something different. Mm-hmm. So I started, I spent three years just studying the world religions. So I became a real student of Buddhism and Hinduism and Rosicrucianism and the metaphysics and I mixed it all up, and I still read my Bible, but I was reading the Bhagavad Gita and the Koran and the Course in Miracles, and I was just sort of making God in my image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um,
3: yeah, well, and, so and so many people do that, and because it's something that we can—it's a God that we can then control. Yes, and, and put in our box, and it fits comfortably, and it's, it's convenient for us, because as we know, when you really follow. God the creator, it, it's, um, he radically affects our lives.
0: And he and challenges us to change, mm-hmm. to be who he desires us to be instead. And, and that was a lot of why I didn't want to have to, you know, adhere to a set of principles that were biblical because, you know, I was happy living with my boyfriend. Yeah. And I didn't want to have to be challenged in that area, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, But I took a a book of Christian testimonies with me, which I didn't realize at the time that's what they were, Mm -hmm. um, to a a job I was doing in Hawaii. I was shooting an episode of Magnum P.I. And um, when I got there, they had made a mistake, and they brought me in three days too early, which Uh, never happened. Yeah. And so I sat there in my room and just read my new little spiritual book that I'd brought, now, I have to interrupt
2: you, Nancy. Did someone give you that book, or is that something that you went out of your way I, to buy?
0: I ordered it. It's a great question. I ordered it. It was on TV, and it actually still shows up from time to time. The book is called Power for Living, mm-hmm. and it was under a free offer. All you did is dial an 800 number, and it's put out by uh, the DeMoss Foundation. You know Nancy Lee DeMoss? She's become mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. And her family purposely... Put out every, I not know, every five years or so, they re release the book. And they purposely create a commercial that is very kind of um, wide open. It, you don't quite know what you're getting as far as the book goes. And I think they're purposely doing it so that seekers of some kind, of all kinds,
2: want to know would... how to live powerfully to <laughs>
0: Exactly.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And it's kind of like the secrets of a fulfilling life. So I ordered it, and it's one testimony after another after another of famous people. And um, it, just, it just rocked me because as I was reading this book, they were describing what I wanted <laughs> yes. and what I was so seriously searching for, but I realized that I had come up completely empty. And it, it broke my heart as I read the book. And um, so I just sobbed. I sobbed and sobbed for days. And I kind of had a this epiphany moment where the curtain of my life went up, and all of a sudden I saw my life as it really was, not like I had just um, pretended it was. Mm-hmm. And I saw the consequences of so many bad decisions. I saw my sin, yeah. and I admitted it as sin, and it just broke my heart. And I fell on my face just basically saying, God, I... I'm so far from you. I thought I was kind of following a path that was leading to you, and I'm further from you than ever. How do I get back? Will you have me back? You know, how do I, how can you do, how can I have a relationship with you? And it was just the most powerful, sweet, and tender uh, embrace from him. And he basically said, just come to me right now, exactly as you are, waist deep in the filth of your own life. Don't clean yourself up first. You can't do it, daughter. You can't. But I can, and it just—it still affects me deeply when I think about it. But um,
2: wow, it's and the you way he welcomes so, us all home. You can so hear your emotions, and unfortunately, we are at our 15 seconds into co- uh, going into commercial. And I just love—we uh, just like riveted by what you're saying here, and especially just when you come to Jesus and just surrender it all. So we're gonna stop there, go into commercial break, and we will talk to Nancy as we get back.
1: is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend Radio, right after these. Parents, if you feel overlooked, overworked, underappreciated and seriously stressed out, The Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what The Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues from teething to teen driving. i am not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones
3: we are continuing our conversation with just a remarkable woman and and girlfriend, Nancy Stafford, who is an actress, a speaker, an author, but most importantly, she's a Jesus lover. And when we left our last segment, Nancy, you were just kind of wrapping up the significant moment where you really realized who Jesus was in your life. Can you just kind of pick it up from there
4: with us?
0: Yeah, it was uh, after three days of being in that hotel room, feeling like I was just having this major encounter with God, the living God, he basically just welcomed me back home again, which is how he does with all of us. No matter where we've been, what we do, we, it's, we've never gone too far that we just can't come running back into the arms of our Lord. And so I came back to L.A. and and just really prayed for work I could be proud of as an actor and a godly man because, man, left to my devices I was choosing really badly. And um, started <laughs> getting work that was just really um, – it just really wholesome, wonderful work that I could be proud of and not compromise me. I met my husband. I've been married now 23 years. And Ow. it's just led to a healing, too. That's the other thing about our God is that um, I had a really low self-esteem. Here I was in the most rejection-prone business in the world. But I had grown up just of really low, low self-esteem, feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. God began to heal that part of me mm. by showing me, what he thought of me. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. doesn't matter what you think. It's what the voice of God that whispers in our soul that says to us that you are a daughter of the King. You are accepted in the Beloved. And you are loved with an everlasting love. And all of these promises of who we are started to change me. And that's what really prompted me to start writing book, my books. Because um, I found that if, if I was being helped and changed because of this love letter we call the Bible... I said, you know, this this could help other women, too. And so I wrote the first book, Beauty by the Book, Seeing Yourself as God Sees You, which really came out of my own desperate desire and need to know who I was. Mm-hmm. And then um, the second book, The Wonder of His Love, A Journey into the Heart of God, again, because I desperately needed to know God's love for myself. And as a result, then, you know, I've written this book to let other people know just how incredibly loved they are by God. And that so,
3: is... Significant because every woman can relate to what you're saying right now, and I think so many women would look at you and go, "How in the world could you feel inadequate and have a low self-esteem?" But every woman struggles with that, and really wants to know that we're loved and cherished and adored by someone, and that someone needs to be Jesus Christ. But I love your book. Um, your books are so significant that even Beth Moore has said that your book is like a warm embrace from God Himself. That is a really high compliment. And, uh, I was
0: so blown away by that. I appreciated that from Beth so much. Exactly. Well, continue with, because we're talking about
3: putting passion in action, and, and you discovered your passion and your love for Jesus Christ. And here you're in the midst of Hollywood, which so many people and, and so many believers go, that's just the darkest place. Why would, how can you be light in the darkness there? Can you just continue with you know, what you're doing and what that looks like?
0: Well, I think people would really be incredibly encouraged to realize that God is alive and well and living in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, there is, is a lot a lot going on. There is a lot going on. There are a lot of believers, both in the closet and out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who are performers like myself. There are writers and directors. There are people who head studios, who are in charge of green lighting project at movie from, for films and television that you see. And... um My prayer is to just ask the church worldwide to start praying for Hollywood. Don't throw Mm -hmm. out the baby with the bathwater. Prayer is what can change things, and uh, we're seeing a huge amount of of new people coming to the Lord. We're seeing changes in what you're seeing on the airwaves. There's just all kinds of new activity going on, and it's because of the prayers that are going on. So please pray for Hollywood. Don't just condemn it and figure it's, it's hopeless and all is lost. It's not. Aslan is on the move there.
2: And uh, that is so exciting to hear. And I know I have three children, and I keep telling them that. You know, we need to pray for Hollywood, and you guys need to consider going in that direction because that is where it, it, it seems to be the core that goes into our world, that people see, you know, America through the Hollywood lens. And we can have an impact there rather than running from it.
0: You're absolutely right. That's my encouragement, too, is if you've got a kid who is talented, who wants to be a cameraman or wants to be a director or producer or an actor, don't discourage them. Send them there. We need gifted, creative, talented people who can really um, bring their worldview into This industry. And, you know, you're right. As goes Hollywood, so goes the world. We export our value system um, worldwide. And so we desperately need to have people that are making a difference in what what we're creating.
3: Well, and the media is not telling us that, like what you're just saying, there's a lot of good happening in Hollywood and Jesus is alive and well, but you don't ever hear that. You know, the average. doesn't hear that message, so from you who is inside there, the walls that are, for you to say that, that is just so encouraging, and,
2: and to motivate us that we need to keep praying, and the fact keep that praying. you've been married for 23 years, that's like a 100 years Hollywood life. It's
0: 100 years in Hollywood, that's right, <laughs> <laughs> and also there's, the other thing you need to do is when you do see quality shows that you like, that you do, that do reflect your value system, that you say, yeah. It may not be a Christian show, but it's, it reflects biblical principles. Support it. Watch that Absolutely. TV show. Buy the products that the sponsors are advertising. Buy well, the movie tickets. Pleasures
3: were, we're what we we are against instead of what we are for. So when we find those things that we support, let's support them and have a positive voice instead of always being the ones that are criticizing everything.
0: Absolutely, and one of the things I hope your listeners will support is a movie that, I'm, that I just finished doing this last spring. We shot it in Alaska, and it's not coming out until Christmas 2011, so you've got a long time to wait for it, but it will be at movie theaters, and it's called Christmas with a Capital C, and, we, and it's an absolutely trailers. wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, we saw the
3: trailer to that because it's on your site, and that looks yeah. so great.
0: Well, good. I hope everybody will watch the trailer and get your appetite wetted a little bit and then encourage all your friends to go to the movie theaters next Christmas and watch this film.
3: Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit of back, uh, about that movie, how it came into, what what motivated the story behind
2: that?
0: Well, it's a really relevant story, and um, written by a, a wonderful gal named Andrea Nassfeld, who's a wonderful screenwriter. And the story is about um, – a small town in Alaska that every year just loves to decorate for Christmas. The whole town just galvanizes together, and they all do the Christmas decorations. But somebody comes to town and begins to challenge the Daniel Baldwin character, who's our Grinch. He comes to town and, and basically sues the city for a religious display of the nativity. Wow. So it's really a very relevant for what's yeah. happening culturally right now. So it begins to divide the town between those that sort of agree with, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing religious stuff. And um, so it begins to split, and I play the character of the mayor's wife, Ted McKinley, is my husband. He's the mayor, and I'm the wife. And my daughter and I, 10-year-old daughter, and I decide, no, we're going to do – we're going to try to bring everybody back together. And so we do a Christmas with a capital C campaign, which is basically the idea that Christ the Lord is the center of Christmas. Mm. It's not about tradition. It's not about – you know, religion, it's about being the hands and feet of Jesus himself. Jesus came to earth, and what would he do if he were here? He would love others. He would care for the needy and the poor and the sick. So we start to actually put feet to our faith and start collecting blankets for the hungry and the poor and the cold. We take food to others. We just start helping one another and start being Christmas. And as a result, this man's heart changes because he suddenly sees a group of crazy Christians who actually started walking their talk. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, he changes in the end, and the, the town kind of comes back together again, and um, it's really a wonderful, very poignant, and very relevant film.
2: I love that, where you said, and they started being Christmas, <laughs> because so, so we can either sit in the pews And just hear about Jesus, or we can go out there and and be Jesus. And so many times we we need to be reminded of that to really start um, walking the talk and not just sitting there listening about it. We need to activate it. And I'm going to switch gears because we only have a few more minutes, Nancy. But Mm -hmm. you have totally tugged on our heart because we're going to Northeast Africa in January, and that is definitely where we feel that, God, there's just a huge heartbeat going on with just helping um, those in the Middle East. And Mm -hmm. a little bit about SAT-7 and the ministry, Making God's Love Visible.
0: Well, I'm so proud of you girls for going over to Sudan and doing that. How what a huge need that is! I became in, interested in and involved in a wonderful Christian satellite television network that broadcasts uh, throughout the Middle East and Northern Africa and throughout Europe. It's called Sat Seven, which means satellite, S A T. The number seven dot org, S A T U S A dot org is the website. Okay. And what I'm crazy about is that it is programming that is Christ centered, but it's it's women's shows, it's cultural shows, it's music, it's kids' shows, it's dramas, it's teaching, but it's a variety of shows produced by Arabs for Arabs. So you're not going to see a blonde, blue-eyed Nancy Stafford on their station. (laughs) You're not going to see all the people we normally see on our Christian TV shows. These are indigenous programs done by people speaking their own language. And um, it's in Arabic and Turkish and Farsi, which is the language of Iran. And every week, about 15 million Arabs... Are watching Sat-7, wow. most of whom are not Christians, <laughs> yeah. And it's on four channels. We've got a 24-hour kids channel, we've got a 24-hour Arabic channel, we have a channel in Turkey, and we've got a channel in Iran, in Farsi. And it is having the most dramatic, incredible impact you can ever imagine. And this is what I'm excited about. The church over there, as your listeners probably know, is extremely um, marginalized. Mm-hmm. They're quite persecuted. In areas in particular right now in, um, in Turkey and in Cairo, in Egypt, throughout Egypt, it's, the church is really, really highly threatened. This channel, these channels are really um, for the purpose of building up and strengthening and helping the church um, become stronger and get the teaching they have so that they can, you know, if they have to stay underground, at least they're getting some additional teaching. But here's what's exciting. (laughs) Nancy, you (laughs) know
3: what? We just have two seconds. Can you come back? With us and yeah, share. This, sure. this is just, we're like on the edge of our seats, literally. We just want to hear yeah. more of what's going on globally and the impact and how others can begin praying. So thank you for joining us. Hear more about Nancy at Girlfriended.com.
1: This is Girlfriend on Togynet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more
2: Girlfriended radio, right after these. Hi, everybody. This is P6 of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. It's
1: time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life amish wisdom with suzanne woods fisher thursday afternoons at five four central each week suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the amish without going amish she'll cover the practical simplicity slowing down reducing clutter putting the brakes on materialism the historical how have the amish survived for 400 years how can we hold on to what we hold dear and the spiritual treasuring important values honoring the past Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Well, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go and do that, because what the world Needs is people who have come alive. And with that, someone in our life that is truly alive and shaking up the world, I would definitely consider her a world changer. We have Linda Higdon, and she's the president of the Global Room for Women. Linda, are you there? I am there. Hey, girlfriends. Hey. And, Linda, you crack me up because um, one of the questions you asked for this morning is if you should wear purple or or mauve. (laughs) Heard the term mauve in a long time. So, definitely not mauve. Okay, so we're not sure what color you're wearing, but hopefully it's not mauve. Sorry. <laughs> Linda, we are so excited to have you on the show, and you really are a mover and a shaker. And we want okay. you to just explain a little bit about this global room for women and, and what, where was your passion? We were talking about having that passion to the point that it's the same as running after that bus. So the last so of the, the night. The last bus of the night. So matter of fact, we have to go back. We we, we will never let you talk. It's gonna be all about us. Um, we went, and what is trash, in DC. And um you came and and picked us up, speaking of the last yeah. the last bus, and you already had a car full of people, and by the time Lisa and I came with our luggage Um, You didn't realize what was taking place in the back seat, but but Lisa was folded up like an accordion, and you said, "Let, let me show you the sights. And Lisa, it was the first time she had been to D.C., so I said, yes, Lisa would love to see this (laughs) place. Lisa couldn't see
3: anything because she was like as an accordion and body was like in agony and twisted in ways I never thought it could be twisted. And I gave Patty that look with my eye like,
2: I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I, of course, pegged gone and kept saying, let's go see this and let's go see that. And Lisa was way too polite to go, all right, enough. And we did get to
3: see all the sights at night with you and your husband. It was Right.
5: Yeah, I um, remember that.
3: We loved our trip to D.C. with you and have great fond memories. So enough about us. Um, (laughs) Let's go to about you.
5: Well, you know, as you're reflecting on that, I'm thinking how many, uh, it feels like so many years ago, but I think when you're following your passion and when God has placed something on your heart, uh, it feels like you can travel a million miles in one day, and it feels like that every day for what we're doing. Um, Well, first of all, thanks so much, Penny and Lisa, for continuing to follow your passion because I think one thing we can all feel from you is that you come from the right place, and so you always fire us up. Uh, So the Global Room for Women was something that was laid on my heart a number of years ago. Like all of us, when we shape something new in the world as women, we really don't know in the beginning, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where we're really going, but we just take one step at a time. So it was at a time in my life about seven years ago when my husband and I traveled to Africa, like you're going, on a mission trip, and we were in an area of searing poverty in Nairobi. And I remember when I came back after, after three weeks of that kind of traveling, Uh, my life had changed. I remember I always say when I laid on my bed and looked at the ceiling fan rotating and I prayed to God and said, what was I thinking about opening my eyes to that part of our planet and our world? And really it was a struggle. I went through sort of a spiritual struggle. Do I close my eyes and pretend like I did not see it or do I keep going forward? And I, I bring that point forward because it really is ultimately a choice. When we see that our lives are in a whole different context, in a broader global context or national context or about the other, it always is just our choice. God is not telling us what to do. It's what we choose to do. And then it was about a year later after I chose not to close my eyes and to keep looking and learning about AIDS in Africa that, lo and behold, a woman should appear in my life, a colleague of my husband's uh called us and said there's this Kenyan couple in Wisconsin, which is where we live, and we would like to tell you about them because they're coming by your home. Would you like to host them for an evening? So about three hours later, they showed up on our doorstep, and there was Mercy and Chidi Ogbona mm-hmm. from eastern Kenya, and uh, we found out within a half an hour that they actually live in the backyard of one of the orphanages that we visited two years prior on our trip to Africa. So it was one of those very profound God moments. Uh Uh And uh, at that point, Mercy and I became very good friends, and a whole new chapter of my life, which led to the Global Room for Women, began, and it is the power of what happens in our lives when we open ourselves to women from other cultures especially cultures in developing countries or conflict zones so what i would say cultures that are very different from our own and um i wanted mercy to be known by as many american women as possible so through my job in washington dc i uh which was about connecting women internationally i brought mercy on some teleconference calls and gathered a bunch of American friends and American women so they could talk with her directly about her work, reaching out to the widows, the grandmothers, the orphans in Africa. Uh, she now has a very successful AIDS operation. And at that time I realized, you know, it really is about girlfriends. It really is about talking uh, at a level in our authentic voice, sharing what's on our hearts, Mm-hmm. With women who are from these other cultures, we usually typically, as you know, many of us go into these calls thinking, uh, you know, the stereotype is we're here to help. And then what we find out is we are in this relationship to grow and learn. And uh, that's exactly what happened to me. The teleconferences proved that many American women were interested in talking to women in developing countries. And here I am two years or three years later and I've developed a global room for women where every week on the telephone we bring women from, uh, for example, the last three weeks, it's been a woman from Israel and Palestine, how they're bringing the Arab and uh, um, Jewish women together for really deep healing work. And uh, so we had like three hours over a three-week period where American women could call in on a teleconference call And we were in conversation with these women and really learned what's truly going on in their lives. And I tell you, there are lots of surprises, and it's a lot more hopeful than many of us would believe because of what we hear in the news.
3: Exactly. So that's
5: what what we're doing in the global room. We're um, bringing a woman from Haiti, a woman from Kenya, uh, a woman from uh, Australia talking about indigenous cultures, um, and typically it's about uh, what I would say marginalized communities of women in the world um, and really learning what they're contributing, what they're offering in response to a need that they see in their region of the world. You know what? Uh, nothing, nothing too small.
3: <laughs> Nothing too small. And you know what is so cool? It's like you discover because I think so many times, especially in our Westernized culture of America, we see just one dimension of life. And when you truly get out there and like you said, you know, it kinda wrecked your heart when you took that trip to Africa and you start seeing women that we really are more the same than we are different even though we come from different cultures, we all have the same heartbeat and longings. We just are finding ourselves living in different areas with different, you know, circumstance situations, but our longings are the same, and our longings, to connect and 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 want another woman to understand our heartbeat, and that's what we're exactly doing with the global room for women. Is you're bringing these women together, and I know Patty and I, you know, we we are so motivated by that verse in Revelations. And of course, I don't know the exact address, you know, because we always go it's it's in the old it's in the New Testament. Um, <laughs> but when it would talks about heaven and heaven, is going to look like every tribe and tongue and race um, and yeah. nation will be together. And I think so many times we think it's. It, heaven looks like us, you know, and it 's like oh exactly, oh so cool, when you bring in all these different women from all over the place, and we blend our hearts and our voices, so what you 're doing is so significant well, Just thank you really. and
5: i think I think what 's happening uh, the main thing um, for anyone who 's listening to this interview I, I really want to encourage i think the main thing that we have to overcome as American women is that we don 't think we 're uh, um, knowledgeable enough in that region of the world, or maybe I don't know everything about the Middle East conflict, and I'm certainly not going to be on a call and expose that I don't know what I should know, uh, only because I'm a very busy woman and mother, and I have so much on my own plate, so maybe I'm not following the international news, and what we're saying is none of that will matter. Uh, because when you get into these calls, you realize we really are talking at a personal and heart level. And I want to share one thing, which really happened yesterday, uh, and it continues to amaze me uh, how God leads. Who am I to know anything about really what's going on in Baghdad? I only know because of what I read in the news, and at that, what do we really know? So, lo and behold, a friend of mine who works for an organization in Detroit introduced me to this woman, and she is on our uh, upcoming roster, and her name is Azar Azar Al-Hakim. All right. So, first of all, as you can see, I can't even pronounce her name, which is Uh embarrassing in itself, (laughs) but I'm saying let go of the ego, let go of the embarrassment, because when you reach out something magical happens. So here we go. I'm on Skype, and Azar and I have been talking casually and getting to know each other. Finally, we got on video Skype, and yesterday, here I am sitting in my office, my home office near Chicago, and there she is in central Baghdad. And she puts her grandson on her lap. And she's telling me I need, for security purposes, not to divulge too much, but her life is very challenged, as you can imagine. And she is reaching out to war widows, and she's Mm. telling me how she gets up in the morning, whether or not her life is threatened or not. She is committed. This is her home. This is her work. This is her grandson. And what are we talking about? How she makes beautiful lemon fish how she makes wonderful dolmas, she's having her grandson wave to me on Skype, she's teaching me Arabic, and I'm telling you I am in awe at what can happen if we allow our hearts to open. And you know what? Right
2: there, Linda, on on just allowing our hearts to open, I have to cut you off because we are done done segment. but. um, you are amazing and we love your heartbeat and we, we would really like to encourage women and, and those listeners to go to com, and we will put on there how to get to the global room for women. And so women all over can connect globally and like you said, not to be intimidated, not to like I'm too busy and I can't sit, but just go make it happen and be world changers. Thanks again, Linda. Thank you, Lisa and Patty. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye.
1: This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend Radio, right after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on Toginet.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Brian Flipman on toginet.com. Vision Onward is a mission. Vision Onward is passion. Vision Onward is compassion. It's God's power being shown in the world today with the guidance of the Holy Spirit through Jeff Holly and his family. And now, it's here on Toginet, Monday evenings at 9, a.m. central. Vision Onward began over three years ago when Jeff and his family felt that after sitting in a church for years, they had come to a place in their faith where they were tired of sitting around and talking about their faith. They actually wanted to do something about it. So they decided to use their time, treasures, and talents that God had blessed them with to help those who have, by no choice of their own, been born into a world of poverty. So they walked away from the American dream, which they realized is actually a nightmare, so they can help others find hope in what seems to be a hopeless world. For more on Vision Onward, go to visiononward.org. This is truly a God-led adventure of the heart and humanity, making a difference for Christ. It's Vision Onward with Jeff Holly, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central on tuggynet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, And have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: We have our last world changer on the show. Not the last one forever, Not the last one forever, just for the show today. She is very passionate, and we are so excited because she is actually our editor. It's Kim Miller, and she's a senior editor at Tyndale Publishing Company. and And we
3: love Kim, and we love the team at Tyndale. So, Kim, we're so excited that you're going to chat
4: with us today. Well, Patty and Lisa, it's great to be on with you, and I've enjoyed the time we've already worked together and look forward to the months to come. So thank you for having me.
2: Well, we, um, we have been looking forward to this. We, we're spoiled because we get to talk to you other than being on the radio. But now right. all the other listeners get to talk to you, and we
4: just want you to share with them a little bit about how you discovered your love for literature. Okay. Well, for me, it started in the second grade, and I had this wonderful teacher named Miss Boots, and I still remember her. Two things stick out. One is that she read Little House in the Big Woods to us. Yeah, never heard of that book. Never. This was before you know, Little House on the Prairie was a TV series.
3: I, I think but you're I, getting all of us right there.
2: Okay.
4: Well, I told you, you watched Matlock too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw it was Nancy Stafford. Yeah, Nancy Stafford was on already, right? Yes. <laughs> is she on today? Yes. In fact, I just wanted to throw in that I had a chance to hear her speak at a retreat a few years ago, and she is a woman to listen to. Really? I mean, she has an incredible wow. story, and uh, I'm glad you had her on. But anyway, back to Ms. Boots. So she read this story, and I remember standing up when she finished it and just saying, where can I get more of those books? I love them. And so anyway, I still have my complete series of yellow little house books that I will never part with, even though I have no daughters, so I don't know that anyone else is ever going to want them. But (laughs) for me, that reading those books was the first thing. The second thing was she had a little self-published mimeographed newsletter called The Purple Pig. And again, second graders, we were invited to turn in little notes, you know, like I remember Kelly and I went out and played at recess today. You know, those kinds of really brilliant writing. Uh-huh. But that was the first time I saw that you could write. And for our little class, because we knew everyone in there, it was interesting. So those are very little beginnings. But since then, I have always loved to read everything I can get my hands on. If there's nothing else, I am one of those people who will read the cereal box, you know, just to have something to read when I'm sitting down. So
2: okay. i got to tell you, Kim, that is so funny because – I read the cereal boxes. When you're sitting there, it's like, yes, it has to be a continuous thing. And sometimes if I'm too lazy to go get the Bible or or my book, because I usually have a book in every room, mm-hmm. and um, I will read the cereal boxes. And I think, okay, I can't believe I'm reading the recipe <laughs> in very cereal really box. box. We're talking about you
3: behind our back. Carrie and I over here are talking about you. because it's, But, you know, I love that you said you had Mrs. Boots because everybody uh-huh. needs Mrs. Boots that kind of – a passion
2: to right. us discover a passion in us. Well,
0: exactly. and
2: mine was Mrs. Webb, and she read The Mouse and the Motorcycle, and you're right. Oh, right. That really created this passion to I could not get to the the library fast enough. Well,
3: and I gotta I gotta tell something on Patty because Patty loves books. I mean, we both love to read, um, but Patty actually confessed to me one time that she sniffs the pages of books. She likes to crack open a book
4: <laughs> and smell the pages and breathe oh, right. in the
3: experience. So I don't know
2: about that,
4: you know? Well, when I when I walk into Barnes and Noble which I go to every Sunday afternoon, I visibly relax. I mean, it's the smell from the cafe and the books. Yes. You know, there is something about that combination. And Lisa, I'm sure you, you know, especially with the coffee part, relate to that. So I, was, okay, I take in the coffee
2: part. You <laughs> take book. the pages. I definitely sniff the page. You're right. <laughs> it's a full ambiance.
3: It's an experience. Yeah. Well, Kim, you'll have to come join us at, at Barnes & Noble because we love to go there and do our writing. And we sit at those little tables there with our coffee. Yeah. And we go find books. We actually go find books, and we, we have little um, little kind of competitions of what books would we are we drawn to, like the covers and stuff. So we kind of make it a fun experience. Okay, and absolutely. I, we have to tell you
2: that we literally she sits down, and I will go to a table, and I will um, pick out three books. Uh huh. That got our attention, and then she has to go see if she can pick out the same three books that gets our attention.
4: we <laughs> well. Oh. Okay. A little competition.
2: <laughs> That's great. Well, you have to. What 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 it gives you a good story? Like, how do you have an eye for a good story? Where you go, I have to read this. Hmm. Well, I think
3: you uh-huh. know. <laughs> we're learning it. here because you're our editor, so we're trying to <laughs> learn here. You guys, like, what well, makes a really good story? Tell us right now. <laughs> yeah. And what's that? <laughs>
4: Well, I think you guys do a great job of telling stories where you are you may be part of it. In other words, you have a personal connection to it, but you have a way of um telling the story in such a way that I can relate to you. You know, in other words, you may be talking about meeting a woman and going for a walk with her and, you know, something difficult coming up. And while I may not have had that same exact experience, I can relate and I want to see how you solved it, how you got through it, whatever. Um, But I think there's something then that's interesting about the story, but that also has some universal, you know, element to it that we can relate to. Mm
5: -hmm.
4: And I'm thinking of even a book like The Glass Castle, which I don't know if you read. I think it was Jeanette Wallace who wrote it. And the thing about that book is she talks about being raised by a family that was extremely different than most of us will ever, you know, encounter. Um, And she's this, ordinary woman now I mean she's very successful um, in a way that her parents weren't but there's something about here's this ordinary woman who came from these extraordinary circumstances and there's that facet but there's also we all have things about our parents that were difficult or embarrassing or that we had to you know get through and she in her story just allows us to be interested in her story but also kind of process that for ourselves yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an example of a book, I think, that does that.
2: Because you can live vicariously through them right. and, and really learn. Um, you know, so many times people will uh, come up to Lisa and I and they want to know, you know, you guys need to put a mentoring program together. And we always encourage them to to grab a book because it really is a great way of mentoring you mm-hmm. because you do kind of follow and you know, go for those books that really will help you reach that next level, and you do. You live vicariously through how they handle situations.
4: Right. Whether it's positive or negative. I mean, you <laughs> may not always agree with what they did, but it makes you think, you know, for yourself. Mm-hmm. it, it stretches you to
3: think outside of your typical lens and your box, and that's what's always a good story to, to me. And, and it's like it is so fun when you get a book. I We joke because so many times um, – I will start a book, I will have like five or six going at one time, and I get to about page 40 to 50, and then I will start another book. And one time, I, my husband was looking for a book, and I said, oh, it's on, it's on my bookshelf over there, and, and he started looking to the shelf, and he noticed that in all my books there was like a little tab of paper at a certain distance into the book, <laughs> and so he started putting these books off, and he goes, okay, I just have one question. Have you ever seen the words the end at the end of book? (laughs) And I go, because he pulled out all these books and he goes, okay, they all start, you all have bookmarks at about 40 to 50, page 40 to 50. And I I realize I do that. I I have ADD with books. I do finish books.
4: I do. I I just go, I do it differently than a lot of people, but it is funny how we all read. (laughs) Well, and don't you think that some days you feel like reading, you know, A novel. Other days you may really be struggling with something and, you know, you want a more, I don't know, self-help for lack of a better term. Or, you know, certainly we we read our Bibles every day because we want to get that word from, you know, Mm -hmm. hear God's word for us for that day. But, you know, there's just different reasons for reading and different things we're looking for. So...
2: And I, really, I think it's important to also to be able to read the novels because I, I know mm-hmm. for a while there you get so – where you're so busy and so swamped. and But, yeah, you do your – you know, spend your time doing your devotions or um, getting into a self-help book, like you said, for lack of a yeah. better word. And you, you forget what it's like just to get into another world in a novel. And I think it's important to make sure you have time to do some of that.
4: Mhm. hmm well, and yeah, for I, me – For me reading is much more I mean, it's more relaxing for me than T V, you know, so I tend to when I on a Sunday afternoon just have to relax and let go, I read a novel like that, you know, something that's very good that takes me into a different place and time but that again I can connect to in some way.
2: Well do you are you obsessive like me though when you get into a novel? Do you find yourself staying
4: up till two o'clock in the morning to
2: finish (laughs) Do that or do you have self control?
4: Yeah, no, it depends on what it is. There's certain writers that keep you, you know, wanting to turn pages. There's actually some writers um, who, uh, like Elizabeth Stout comes to mind, somebody who I, she's writing a novel, but she says something that seems, you know, just out of the blue, profound, like a sentence or whatever, and I actually want to stop and think about it for a little bit, but that could just be me. <laughs> You're more <laughs> profound than I am.
2: <laughs>
4: oh, I don't know about that, but maybe we only have two more minutes,
2: Cam, and this time has just gone by so quickly. But can you explain a little bit about the publishing world? You know, so many individuals are, are self-publishing today. Can you address
4: that issue? Well, I can just speak in very general terms because I am speaking to it more as an observer than someone who's been involved with it. And you know, there are some books. Um, In fact, I was just here, I've heard a couple of interviews lately by Stephen and Annette. I don't remember their last names, but they are America's Cheapest Family, and they've been, I think, very successful in self-publishing in that way. But what I would say is I've had many friends say, would you read this book? I have this book in me, and I want to get it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing about it is you just really have to be able to figure out how you're going to market that book And, you know, again, Stephen and Nett have a natural platform right now because people are so concerned about finances, and they've actually lived this for 20 years. So they have instant credibility. Right. Um, So I guess what I would say is if you are thinking of going that route, that you just be very clear on how you actually expect to sell the book and what's your platform. The same kind of question that we consider in a publishing house, but, You know, if you're doing it all by yourself, you just have to remember that, that even if you get it published, self-published, okay, now how are you going to get it out there? Um, So I think that's where writers' groups and, um, you know, just old-fashioned research, even though we creative types don't always like to think about marketing and positioning, it's at least, if not more important, for the person who's doing this on their own.
3: Well, and you know what? You, it has been so fun just to talk to you, and we just we just want you to know that personally we appreciate you as our editor and all that you do behind the scenes for us, and and, and the team there at Tyndale. You guys are phenomenal, and you're so authentic, um, and we have only like 10 seconds, and so we just want to thank you just for sharing your heartbeat and your love of, of reading and literature with us, and we're going to meet you at Barnes & Noble someday and have a an book coffee experience. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, Lisa so joining and us. Girlfriend at Radio Have a